We recently had the opportunity to be at the annual convention of the National Religious Broadcasters, also known as NRB, and we met some amazing people there. Good friends of the Economic War Room stopped by and we had a dialogue, an introduction. It's really an opportunity to learn what's happening out in the world now. So take a look and you'll enjoy these clips from our time at NRB. In the state of Texas, where we are now yes. at NRB, uh, 10 years or so ago, uh, uh, my state rep, Giovanni Cabriglione, mm -hmm. are, are you familiar no, with this? I'm not. He passed the Texas Bullion Depository, and okay. we insisted that the gold that we held at the state of Texas yes. level be brought back to Texas to be held in Texas. Yes. Not that we didn't trust the Federal Reserve, but when <laughs> Germany wanted their gold back, they right. got different bars than right. they had, that they'd surrendered, or they recast right. them. That was. Right. So we said, we're going to have deposit here. Second thing we've built is the ability technologically to measure ounces of gold and ounces of silver that an individual holds. Yes. And you can put, individuals can put money on deposit there right. in gold and silver. The next step that I'm arguing for is that they turn them into constitutional currency. Okay. States, Article 1, Section 10 right. can issue currency yes. if it's gold and silver coins. Yes. And all we're talking about is electronic evidence of gold versus yes. silver coins. So if gold is $1,800 an ounce, for, right. let's right. say, you could walk in with your Texan card yes. into a Starbucks and pay three one-hundredths of an ounce of gold, which is $5.40. And, and so it's using technology with gold as the basis. Or silver. Or silver. And it's currency issued by the state of Texas. And the next yeah. step we need is for the IRS to recognize that it is not a capital gain or loss. Woo. Because that if a be state hard. issues currency, yeah. I think we'll win this at the Supreme okay. Court. If a state issues constitutional currency, it's more constitutional than that Federal Reserve right. note you have in your pocket. Yeah. It's more constitutional than the IRS. Yeah. The IRS is not named in the Constitution. Right. Right. I think we can win this. I think the state of Texas could sue. What, what do you think the impact would be if you had the ability to deposit gold and silver, had no capital gain or loss associated with it, it solves an inflation problem, what, 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 what would the impact be? So I think the impact would be uh, people flocking to honest money in an inflationary or stagflation era where uh, the government would find people are losing confidence in a dollar that's losing value, and they'd be relying upon not Bitcoin, but upon gold and silver. And yet you have the convenience, technology, privacy, and everything else of Bitcoin. Right. You Which like the amazing. idea? I, I love the idea. I had to really think about it. It's, it's, it's really fantastic because I've never heard anybody say it. I was just talking to one of my clients, Lear Capital, mm -hmm. and in, we're doing the marketing with them. And one of the biggest problems we have is that uh, so many of the gold and silver investors have migrated to Bitcoin. Right. With nothing behind it. Just a hope in the dream. We don't even know who the right. creator of it is. Right. We know it uses a lot of electricity yeah. to produce, <laughs> yes. to be mined. Right. All right. So I worked with State of Utah and Ken Ivory there, and they developed the Utah Legal Tender Act. Okay. So you had one ounce silver coins produced by the State of Utah yes. that are legal tender. The problem is they didn't take that next step. So if silver goes up in price relative to U.S. dollars, well, it's gains. always going to go up in yeah. price, right? Yeah. By definition, by inflation, over right. time. Yeah. I mean, that's no guarantee. In the short right. run, it goes up and down and right. everything else. But over time, right. if you have inflation, the value yeah. of gold and silver theoretically will be higher, right? Right, right. 
and you're losing to inflation by holding only U.S. currency. Now, the Chinese have caught on to this, yes. and they're trying to displace the dollar. Have you been studying that? Not enough. I, I know it's happening, but to get my mind around it, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it. I know that it would be in their advantage to do it. Here's what they planned. They've developed a digitized yuan yes. that they claim is going to be backed by gold, okay. and they've used programmable money features, so they're going to suck the world into using it, and then they will have complete control. They'll know every transaction, where it takes place, anywhere in the world. They'll suck in all the data. And for their own people, if you violate the social credit score, yes, you'll find that, that your money is reduced in value. It, it is such um, a perfect tool for a collectivist society to control the lives of the individuals. Why in the world would you want to run for Congress? Well, because our nation is at a tipping point, and my children, your children, everyone out there's children will not have the same future that we had unless we shift things right now. See, Washington has shaped our culture for so long that if we don't do something drastic like really take back Congress in a massive way and get rid of these corrupt politicians like Liz Cheney, who's tipped her cards, we're going to lose this nation. We are right now, I believe that we have been one nation under God under the Star-Spangled Banner, under the Constitution, and under the Declaration of Independence, which outlines our freedoms that are given to us by God, right? The Holy Spirit is enshrined in the Declaration of Independence, if you read it. We're about to lose that. We're about to become a Marxist nation if we don't, if we don't flip things back. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, because you talk spiritual concepts, and you flip to Marxism. You think Marxist is spiritual? I, 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 it is spiritual. It's demonic. It's the opposite of what God created, right? It's, it's government is your God, government is your source, government is the giver of your rights, versus God is your source. If you don't believe in God, some people don't, they can at least believe that their, that their talents and creativity are their source, right? Or, yeah, I think you're right. I think, it, I think it crosses all aspects of a person, and Marxism is by definition collectivism. Right. And the spirit of Christianity is the spirit of individual liberty. Spirit of freedom, that's it right. It is. Yes. Yeah, it really is. So. Uh, what motivates you? What, what, what drives you? I, you want to save the culture. You want to save the, the country. What else motivates you? Well, I, I believe that our best days are ahead. I believe that what Donald Trump did was something extraordinary. I think that we saw a reformation from 2016 to 2020. You've heard people say, oh, if we could only have a reformation, or if we could only have a revival. We did have a reformation. If you look at the judges that were appointed, if you look at the regulations that were repealed, if you look at the policies that were implemented, and by the way, your listeners probably know this person's name, but you know who Pastor Andrew Brunson is, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Pastor Andrew Brunson, he defines the America first foreign policy of Donald Trump. And I'll explain why. So Donald Trump, 2016, takes office, and everybody's thinking he's going to be a, an isolationist. What's the first thing he does? He completely, he gets rid of ISIS in about six months. Those guys no longer existed. So Bush, Cheney, and Obama created ISIS, created a mess in the Middle East, and uh, Trump gets rid of ISIS in six months. So what happens next? Uh, Andrew Brunson was taken prisoner. He was a pastor in Turkey, taken prisoner. And uh, um, we, we asked Turkey to cough him up. Well, they coughed him up almost immediately because we went to economic war with Turkey. And we believe that Erdogan was afraid that we might go to military war with Turkey. So they coughed him up. But that's American foreign policy. It meant something to be an American again. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned economic war. Mm -hmm. That's obviously what we talk about all the time in the economic war room. 
from our perspective, it's a spiritual war that manifests as an economic war. Because ooh, when it comes ooh, down to good. people are always thinking about their money. They're always thinking. Of, Jesus said, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, you will not be trusted with the true riches. That's right. That's right. And so where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. People put their treasure in America too much in their money. We try and help people take that back and put their treasure in God where it belongs and use their money as a weapon Ooh. to preserve, protect, and defend the culture to pass the next generation. Gary, that is good. That is good. Kind of reminds me of a, of a saying I heard a preacher say once. Um, if I could see your tax returns in your checkbook, I, I know everything there is to know about you. Yeah, and right. your schedule. you got to see the calendar. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly right. Well, I appreciate you coming by. Good luck with your campaign. God bless you. Thank you. And uh, if, if folks are interested in learning more about us, they can go to MrSmithGoesToWashington.com. Let's take this nation back. And every little bit helps. So if you could get on there and, and uh, give us some support, that'd be awesome. Thank you. So, Lindsay, how's NRB going for you? You know, it's going amazing, Kevin. It's, it's our first time to be here as Newsmax, and it's been awesome just to see how many people have come up to the booth and thanked us for what Newsmax is doing and uh, our viewers and uh, also just to meet other people as well. And I think also just to see that there's a lot of good people out there trying to do good and spread good in the world is encouraging. What I love about Newsmax is, is you've gone back to professional journalism You've taken it back to where you're telling the truth. You're not going to let the narrative impede and, and control what you're talking about. And, and, and it really is a, it's a chance for free speech. People get heartened when they look at the, al the quote, alternatives that are really actually just true, free American speech. Yeah. And when you, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they need to be silenced. And I say, actually, I might not agree with them at the same time. I support them in the sense of we should have, we do have free speech in America. And if we want free speech, then we want free speech for all. And, but that is where we have to push back. If they don't want to hear a dissenting view, they don't want our view, we have to go back to, no, this is the First Amendment. And everyone should be able to speak freely, even if we disagree with what they say. We need to take the high road, the Absolutely. higher standard. Yeah. So as you look at the, uh, the what's going on, Newsmax uh, viewership has just skyrocketed yeah. since the election. And it really is heartening. Yeah, so what are your top stories? What are the things that are that are attracting you to share with America? Yeah, I think some of the biggest things right now are a border. Um, you know, a lot of people obviously talking about that. But, you know, you think there's so many facets to that. Not only is it a humanitarian crisis, right. we are seeing... Um, humans being trafficked across our border and you think about people just we saw the images of people throwing babies over a wall into the river i've seen images from some of our congress members who've gone down there pictures of, of babies drowning in the water um and and all for these families that want a better life that's a humanitarian crisis but now we have people like governor DeSantis who's sending his right. um law enforcement down there because fentanyl is coming across our borders like crazy we have people from the middle east sending taliban members to Mexico or to Guatemala to come across our border because they know we're going to be checked. Meanwhile, it's not a crisis according to it's our It's a humanitarian crisis, but it really is an economic issue. Yes. The reason people are coming here is largely economic, unless it's terrorism, which we pray not, but but it's to a better life or an opportunity to sell things. It's, right. It really has an economic component to it. And also economic component, Kevin, that 
Americans are spending tax dollars on this surge of people. We see, you know, people going to Tennessee, being uh, on planes, going different places, being kept in hotels, and this takes money. It we does. We see money being taken out of coronavirus funds uh, to help these individuals. That's not free. Those are taxpayer dollars at work, and so American people should be frustrated about it because we are also in an economic crisis right now. I would say we, we don't have a we don't have a job crisis. We have a labor crisis, um, but at the end of the day, it is concerning to see the fact that Biden doesn't have a concern for how our dollars are being spent for for people that are just surging across our border and our border states. No, there's no question. And in fact, you look at almost $30 trillion of federal debt, not counting the unfunded liabilities, and you realize we're spending money, and we're not noticing it so much because we're still in the party atmosphere, right? <laughs> you know, at the end of the party, you don't realize what the hangover is going to be like. Uh, you take another drink and another drink to avoid the hangover, but eventually it catches up with you, and it's going to catch up with our economy. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that the talking point from the Democrats is there will be no ramifications. We need to spend, we need to spend, we need to spend. And that is the approach. We don't need a budget, we're just spend. But now we're seeing inflation. You know, they say, oh, this will go away. I don't know that it will. And, and not anytime soon when you're talking about spending that kind of money. And I think Americans are starting to see it because it's it's hurting their wallet. It's hurting their gas prices and they, they're trying to travel. Things are opening up and they're thinking, I can't pay this much money for gas. I'm not going to go as far. And so they're starting to see some of the ramifications of when you just have, you know, un, um, you know, ungoverned spending. When you have raw material prices going up, when you have food prices going up, and when you have labor costs going up, yeah. which is a policy of the administration, raise it to $15 an hour minimum wage, yeah. that's a policy. Those are all inflationary. No question about it. Um, one of my concerns is that the Chinese mm. are watching this and part of American power, economic power, is the dollar and the oh, fact yeah. that the world uses the dollar as the primary reserve currency and they're aiming to remove that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, China is watching us like a hawk right now and I unfortunately would say they're pretty happy with what they're seeing. Their end goal is to be the world dominant power. Right, by 2049. And, and they're in it for the long game. They play smart, they're stealth, and uh, they're paying attention to us. And, and we also have a president who's not being tough on them like he should be. We're not holding them accountable um, for coronavirus right now. Even if it didn't lab leak from a lab, we have people that aren't helping us figure it out. And, and that is but not a But it could have leaked from a lab. It could have. And, and you it, can't. And say, you couldn't say that six months ago. That's right. You would be, you know, a, a, a liar. Uh, you don't believe in the science. Even now, some people would say that. Uh, but we got to expose these things more. Unfortunately, I lived in China for a while, and knowing the way that they work, I don't know if we ever are going to find out the answer. Um, and seeing that they're opening six more well, bio labs. Well, they have a huge incentive to not allow the answer out. Absolutely. And, right. and their culture is saving face and making sure that they always look great to the outside world. So it, there, it will be unlikely that we will see that what happened. But um, here's what we talk about. In the economic world, when we talk about there's two enemies, there's a foreign enemy and a domestic enemy. The domestic enemy is really tied to the foreign enemy because it's collectivism, socialism, Marxism. And the foreign enemy is primarily China, but also we have North Korea, the, the Iranians. We have uh, elements in Russia, uh, jihadis, you know, far, uh, far left um, jihadis in the Islamic world. So we have foreign and domestic enemies, but it's all coming down to economics. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it, hopefully America's waking up to that because sometimes what happens in politics, you know, I think people who are in D.C. and around politics, they think sometimes uh, everyone's paying attention and sometimes they aren't, but now I think the world is really, politics affects your everyday life more so. You're seeing the ramifications of it, I think, than maybe um, in generations past. And so I hope people get more involved. People get involved in their state level as well. One of the ways we're trying to get people involved is we're training financial advisors. Mm. Most people with money have one advisor or another. They have a CPA or they've got a stockbroker or a financial planner. And when they want to weaponize their money, they say, I don't want my money invested in things that are going to destroy my future. You know, when you see Coca-Cola being Woca-Cola, what do you do about that? Well, there's two answers. You either divest, which is hard to do if you're just everything in an index fund, or you become activist and you vote your proxies. Mm average person doesn't know how to vote a stock market proxy, right. but the advisors do. And I came out of that industry with John Templeton and we, tr we train financial advisors to help their clients weaponize their money to pass their culture to the next generation. Wow, that's amazing. We need more of that uh, right now, people understanding money and how to use it. And, and that's exciting that that's what you all are doing right now. Well, we're excited about what Newsmax is doing. We're all working together, NRB, yes. all of the different <laughs> All the different media outlets, whether it's Christian radio or whatever, we're all working together to really help preserve, protect, and defend the ideals of America. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, right. Kevin. Well, we like to talk about the bad, the good, and the beautiful in yeah. the economic world. Clint Eastwood had the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. We do the bad, yeah. the good, and the beautiful because we always like to take people to Jesus. We tell about the problem, and you just yeah. described the problem. It's cancel yeah. culture. It's, yeah. it's our exporting of, of really a bad right. image of ourselves. What's the solution? What's the good? What can we do about that? We've got to get back to the simple word of God. It is the manufacturer's handbook. If my watch, which is a nice watch, gets out of whack, I like to send it back to the manufacturer. Yeah, that's a nice watch. To, yeah, it's a Ulysses Nardan watch, and I just send it back to get some repair, and it was very expensive. But, but I, I know he made it, so he knows how it works. The, the framers of our Constitution framed the Constitution on the Bible. Right. On Bible, on Bible truths, and it's the foundational principles. All men are created equal and entitled to the pursuit of happiness equally, not always guaranteed happiness, right. but guaranteed the equal right to pursue it, not government providing it, but a chance to pursue it and win it for yourself. Equality of opportunity, work. not equity of outcome. Exactly. And, and so the, the founders were not perfect people. In some cases, like Thomas Jefferson, he owned slaves. Rob, uh, Washington may have had a slave or two because yeah, it, was, it was it was a fact of life when they came along. But even Jefferson said, this is wrong. And then, Jeff, uh, then Lincoln comes and abolishes it. And America gets corrected as we go. We're a work in progress. We were, we were then but and we are now. But you can't wipe out the history and still bring the correction. No, because if you don't show the warts and all, as the Bible does, the Bible shows all the mistakes and how, how, how they were remedied or the penalties that were paid. And, and how people were rewarded for obeying God right. and blessed by God. And that's the story. We are work in progress. America is still well, in progress. It was Bible believers that abolished slavery. Yes. It's people who believed it in was. the Word of God who abolished it. Because Christ came to set at liberty those who were captive. You are so right. And we need to know that. But if you, if you 
ban the Bible if you really That's hate speech. Can you believe that? Speech. It's the biggest book of love ever. Yeah, but there's stuff in there that, that the social media doesn't want because they want to make, they want to celebrate things that God says are an abomination. If you read the scriptures and you talk about what God <laughs> does not like, then you're, you're preaching hate speech because social media wants to verify and, and commend things that God doesn't like. So you got to get him out of the picture. And as a result, we go down, down, down. If we stick with God, we go up, 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 as we always did. So the solution is to turn back to the principles that the founders followed based on the Bible. Yes. Freedom of speech. Yep. Freedom of religion. Yep. Freedom of assembly. Even if you don't agree with it. Freedom of press. Every guy's got a right to express his own belief. It worked really well for a number of oh. years. And we just kept getting better and better. America's passed even through the wars and even through the Civil War and all these things, America kept rising and getting bigger and better all the time because we were one nation under God. It I says so on our currency. Yes, it does. Now, you want to take his name off the currency, watch it just go down the tubes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you take God's name off of things and you dishonor him, he says, okay, have it your way. The people of Israel, when they had judges and they were being really led by judges, they wanted a king like the nations around them. He says, well, and, and old Samuel says, Lord, they want a king, and he's upset. No, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me. Let them have their king, but tell them what's gonna happen when they take their king. Right now, our American public, unfortunately, has voted for things that God doesn't want. But he says, okay, you want it? You'll He's have kind it. of turned us over. You know, and you mentioned the other nations around. I think we're fighting a two-front war. One's inside the nation that want to see the principles destroyed, but also there are foreign nations that want to see our principles oh, definitely, destroyed. definitely. And we, we see Chinese influence in Hollywood. Are you seeing that? Yes, yes, I am. And are owning, owning networks and owning <laughs> papers and, uh, and, and influencing, doing exactly what Karl Marx and Lenin said they would do, we'll, we'll get to the young first. Get to the one generation and take over the one generation and we got them. And so that's what they're doing. They've infiltrated schools, school boards. They've infiltrated the, uh, uh, the systems of education, but they've also infiltrated the government. They're getting people elected to offices who will vote for things that God doesn't want. And they'll make them socially popular. And so now we're drifting not just drifting now, it, I, I once painted in a book I wrote about America and a ship sailing along in a beautiful setting, but hearing some roar out in the far future and, and steam and headed toward a waterfall. And suddenly the pace is quickening and we want to try to reach the shore and slow down, but we, there's nothing solid to hold on to and the ship is sailing toward the falls. <laughs> That's scary. And without, a, without any remedy, once that ship goes over the falls, Well, it's can I share with it. you some good news? Yes, please. Okay, so we're in the economic war room. The economic war room teaches people how to weaponize their money. They're spending, they're giving, and they're investing to pass the culture to the next generation. Yep. You, you met my daughter earlier. She's 19. Her vote and your vote are the same. Yes. Now, fortunately, she's a brilliant young lady. I think you probably vote the same way. But there are a lot of 19-year-olds that might vote differently. Listen, I've got four daughters who vote differently than me. 
they're liberal husbands, they're good sons-in-law, I love my daughters, but they're all infected by the liberal trends socially as well as politically. And they, I've lost a lot of, of their respect because I supported Trump, because I believe that with all of his faults and flaws, he was doing things that he said he would do that we wanted done. He strengthened the military. He, he, the economy rose and was blessed, and the rising tide raised all the boats. The blacks, right. Hispanics, everybody benefited. He, he was the best friend Israel has ever had, the, uh, better than any former president. He was doing all the right things. Well, because of that, and I even told him personally, I wish you would quit calling your opponents names. It's not presidential. I'll bet your wife's done. <laughs> and we're friends enough that he could laugh it off, but he was going to keep doing the way he, he did. But, but your vote. My daughters. Yeah, I know. But there are a lot of young people, 19, 20-year-olds, that are voting the wrong way. We need to pass the culture to yeah. them. The difference that you and I have between the 19 their vote's the same as ours. Yeah. But we have more money than they do. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure our money, our spending, yeah. our giving, and our investing, we don't invest in companies destroying our values. We don't spend with companies destroying yeah. our values. And we give to causes that preserve our values. Yeah. So I'm going to invite you to learn a little more about Economic War Room. We want to have you come back at some time. Any time you come to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we'd love to have you in the War Room. It was an honor to meet you. Thank you for taking time <laughs> Good with us. Good to meet us. you, too. God bless you. God bless you. One of the things we talk about in the Economic War Room is the international criminal cartel known as the Chinese Communist Party, which seems to have a lot of the similarities with the Mafia. Have you, have you thought about that at all? Have you looked at that? I, I never, I'm going to be honest, I never paid attention to the politics of the mob. I never really did. I was one of the guys in the street, protected the neighborhood, wherever I was, I demanded respect. And if you mess in my neighborhood, that's disrespect to me. If you mess with one of my friends, you disrespect So I was... One of those violent guys that if you came to the neighborhood to mess mess around, then I would mess you around. So, but I really didn't get into the politics of it too much. Well, tell me about this. How are you now an international witness for Christ? What what happened to you to make that change? Well, uh, not, uh, it's a, a combination of things. You know, I believe all along God's been trying to get my attention, but I haven't been paying attention to Him from when I was young. Because there's no way in the world I would be alive today if God's hand wasn't on my life. I didn't know whose hand it was, but I knew somebody was watching yeah. out for me. It's so without a doubt if I can look back at, at it today. But uh, what happened is, is I, I just lived a life of crime and and uh, tried to rise up in the ranks of the mob. Now, I was not fully Italian, so I couldn't get a made member. I was an associate and climbed up the ranks of an associate and um, got involved with the drug business, and then the drug business got involved with my business. And I went from the rising star in the Gambino crime family to Robert the Crackhead, so it brought me to my knees. The turning point for me was I've been incarcerated numerous times, but this one time in 1997, I get arrested, and I call them my two angels. I look back at it today, and I say, they were my they were warrant officers. I had a case in Florida, federal case, and I had a state case in New York that I was wanted for. So they locked me up, and I call my angels because that's the last time I had a drink of a drug, so I remember that. It was September, uh, January 23rd, 1997. Now, I walked out on my daughter's life when she was seven weeks old. I had an argument with her mom, and I said, I'm going to go out one more time, party with the guys. This is what I said to myself. 
but I ended up getting caught up in the crack again and didn't come back home. So when I got locked up, my daughter's mom was allowing me to talk to my daughter over the phone. She's three and a half years old at this time. And I call her and I say, and she's crying. I say, Brianna, why are you crying? She said, because you won't come and see me. So I can't Break get medication anymore. It did. It, it shattered my heart to pieces, man. And uh, I was just in tears. And I want the inmates to see me crying because it's a sign of weakness. So I slammed the phone down, ran back to my cell. Now, I knew about God. I was raised Roman Catholic. Now, I'm not saying all Roman Catholics don't know God. I'm just saying this Roman Catholic knew about him but didn't have a relationship with him. So I knew about God and I gave God an ultimatum when I was on my knees crying like a baby. And I said, God, if you're real, you need to have somebody kill me or change me. I don't want to live in this life anymore. And there's so many times I try to change my life. And I want to emphasize this because it's pretty important. I didn't want to change what I was doing. I wanted to change the consequences. I was only sorry for the consequences of what my life was leading to, but not, I didn't want to change any part of my life. And so I tried a lot of things to get better myself. And at this point in time, when I'm crying, I believe God honored the desire of my heart, knowing that no matter how much I tried to change, nothing was working out, I needed him to come in my life and change my life. And I believe at that point in time, I surrendered my life to Christ through that cry, that scream out to him, and he honored that, that and he did. decision, yes. And your life is different. Yes. Yeah. Well, praise yeah. God for that. Well, what yeah. message would you have? I mean, you, you, you look at America today, you look at the direction we're going, you look at the fact that the Word of God is being called hate speech. What message do you have for us? What should we be doing as a nation? Well, I think the first thing, we all need to wake up. You know, a lot of the things that are going on in this world now, I'm not one of these sophisticated, brilliant guys. I'm not. I'm just an ordinary guy. A guy came and lived inside and now lives through That's me. That's pretty so, wonderful. Yeah. yeah so I, I want to but you can see everything that happened didn't happen overnight. So where, where we are going back, you can probably go back 40, 50 years from now. The church needs to wake up. That's what they need to do. And we're talking about a revival, but if we don't get a revival in us personally, we're not going to get a revival out there. We might get a rah-rah cheer here and there, but it's not going to transform anybody's life. And how do we get to that revival? Well, I, I think it has to be on your knees. You know, what I tell Personal people... I, I tell people... You know, you've seen the movie, The Passion of Christ. Right. Christ had such a passion for us that he went through that torture because he had a passion for us. I think the church has to have a passion for Christ. So I try to display my life as a passion for Christ. The passion that I had to get high on drugs and chase the drugs, now I chase Jesus with it. Wow. You know, so. So is that what you're here? That's your message at NRB, is bringing the passion for Christ. Passion for Christ, yes. And it's never, never, never too late for a new beginning. Never. That's no matter awesome. where you're stuck, no matter what situation you're in, get on your knees, and God could change your life. That's a tremendous message. Well, Robert, thank you for sharing well, that with thank us. Thank you. God bless you. And, and this book, Mafia Madman, The Witness, this book is out now. It, it's, uh, it's been out for a while. It's self-published. You have to go to my website, it'll be robertborelli.com, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-B-O-R-E-L-L-I.com. For any donation, I will send you the book, just give me, if you want me to sign it, say I want, I'd like to have a signed copy of your book, give me your mailing address and name and I'll send it to you, or you can go to amazon.com and give them the money. All right, thank you, Robert. Well, God, God bless, bless you. you. Well, I appreciate it, thank you. Well, Ted, you've been in the movie industry a long time. I grew up in the movie industry, so it's 75 years. I hate to admit it. Don't tell anybody out there that I'm 75. My father starred in his first film in 1926, 
So in a few years, we'll be 100 years for the family. Two of my children are following in our footsteps and doing movie guides, so we've been around in the industry. So I know a lot of people in the industry, and I, we work with a lot of people. How has Hollywood changed? Well, during the golden age of Hollywood, when Mr. Smith went to Washington, it was a wonderful life, and the bells of St. Mary rang out across the land. Um, there was three church film offices. They call them church film offices. The Protestant Film Office, which I inherited all the files, the, Pro the Roman Catholic Legion of Decency, and then the Jewish Defense League. And they didn't have any censorship powers, but they kept saying to Hollywood, would you like to reach a bigger audience? Uh, right now, about five times more people go to church every week than go to movies when there was no COVID. Um, so it's a, the church is much bigger and in those days, the church was very active. And then they shut down in the 60s, and within three years, you went from 100% G-rated to 82% R-rated. You went from the greatest story ever told about Jesus to the first sex in Satanism. Anyway, I can go into that in detail. But we came back. I inherited the Protestant Film Office files after we, I was head of the company that did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe on CBS yeah. television. And I started doing this economic analysis to see what would make more money. And I really, Kevin, did not know what would make more money. In fact, last year with COVID, I, thought I was really scared that something bad would succeed. And we kept showing by looking at all these criteria, what is the worldview, what is the, everything that we do when we're together uh, you know, right. at different events. And we found out that the better a movie is, the less foul language, the less sex, the less violence, the more money it makes. Now that should be a no-brainer because four tickets to a family and right. you've got beautiful kids, uh, is better than one ticket to a, some crazy guy going in. And last year, I thought, this is going to collapse. But 90% of the top streaming films were family-oriented with positive representation of Christians. And that's your message from Movie Guide. I've been to yeah. the awards, which is, by the way, fabulous, and we highly recommend it for anybody. If you want to see what's going on in Hollywood, the Movie Guide awards this place. We follow, we look up the Movie Guide before we go see a movie to make sure it's worth seeing. It's got to be quality, but also to make sure that it's not going to offend our values, not going to try and tear down the things that we've been putting into our, into our family. But here's another question. China has learned that Hollywood is a means of manipulating the American psyche, the thinking. Well, so, you may know that China was very big in Hollywood. Friends of mine who were the head of Disney, et cetera, were dealing with them. And then she pulled the rug out from under the people dealing with them. And they pulled back their funding from Hollywood, leaving a lot of people in the dust. In fact, I'm having a super class in a week uh, with the head of Legendary Pictures, which was almost, they did Godzilla and all these films with a lot of Chinese extras. Right. And just finished Dune, China pulled all their money out of that. So these big companies that are gigantic, Warner Brothers, et cetera, have lost that Chinese marketplace and they're fighting. And then, you know, uh, Disney did Mulan. Right. And uh, then China started pulling it out and so it's a, it's a very ridiculous situation right now because she is going back to... Communist roots. Prime, he's yeah. going back to Maoism. Yeah, he really is. No question about it. We've seen that. You know, we look in the national security community and you see the opening. From 1999, they published the book Unrestricted Warfare. Yeah. And I, she has I been... Know. 
following that track ever since he became uh, the man uh, he's, in China. He's a vicious guy. My son studied at Chinese University of Hong Kong, and my daughter taught in Beijing and taught in another city in China, and that's all closed up. I mean, he, my son is brokenhearted about what happened to Hong Kong and oh, Chinese University. I, I've got to tell you, I think this is, you know, I like Schompeter, I like the Ludwig von Mises, I like the Austrian school. Yeah. And Schompeter kept saying, you know, if you keep a relationship with these people, which is what they did after World War II with Germany, with the Marshall Plan, you can help them become more involved with our economy. Right. Once you cut off that relationship, you've almost gone to war. And that's what Wilson, President Wilson did after World War I. He actually is called by Otto Scott, one of the great fools of history, because he cut off, he hated Germany so much, he punished them so much, he created his own nightmare. And uh, China's gonna, you know, this gonna be pushed to the edge because Hong Kong was a money generator for China. It was a port for China. It, all of these things are a big mistake from my point of view. Yeah. And you're the economist, I'm not. Yeah, well, Hong Kong, I was there last in 1999, is yeah. fabulous. And I think it's important, the Chinese people are wonderful people. I know. Absolutely wonderful. You can see that in Hong Kong, you can see it in Taiwan, you can see it in mainland China. But the Communist Party and the Maoism that That's she terrible. is pushing is terrible. It's bad for the world, well, you know, it's bad just, for Christians, it's bad for liberty. They just seized all those film libraries. I don't know whether you remember, but uh, 40 years ago, you know, Kung Fu films and stuff were very popular. And they now say they're anti-patriotic. Mm -hmm. And they've seized all those film libraries. And yesterday, I guess they just closed down uh, the largest free paper in Hong Kong. So to me, this is Well, this and you is see abhorrent. the human atrocities. You see the human organ harvesting of the yep. Uyghur population, which you know, is a Muslim population there. And you shouldn't have your organs pieced out and sold off. It's just horrible. Yeah, it's frightening. It's frightening. But what you're doing is you're helping preserve our culture going forward with Movie Guide, which is a form of economic warfare. How can people invest in films that will help preserve the culture? Well, you just asked the most important question. The reason that we have so much influence in Hollywood, because there are about a thousand lobbying groups, there are lots of, you know, Planned Parenthood funded two films last year. But if people go to the right movies, they vote for those movies, by putting their $10 down for their ticket. Right. So when you vote for the good, you get more good. And thank God, between New York and Hollywood, there's Dallas and Fort Worth, and you're voting for the good. And that's why Peter Rabbit and these family films do much better, because the average family in the middle of the country does not want to support what's going on in you know, the, the fringes of the country. Right, well, when we go to the movies, we buy the popcorn, we buy the sodas, we Me buy too. everything across the board as a family. One person going to see something, yeah, no, I think it's right. So how can, we talk about weaponizing your money. We're talking about making good investments. So we've talked to Kevin and Sam Sorbo, we've had them in the economic war room. Two of my favorite uh, people. How can we help gather capital? Because people don't want to invest, they're worried about investing in Coca-Cola, right? It's like Coca-Cola wants to get involved in the elections in Georgia, I don't want to invest. So where can they invest? How can they well, invest in there, there are two parts of Hollywood. Um, there's a showy part that wants to be part of the club. Right. And to be part of the club, even friends of mine who are Christian in Hollywood, I won't mention their names, um, do things that I think are very bad. 
because they want to be part of the club. Oh, I'm part of the club. I'm, I'm, I love what you're doing. You know, guys that I know very well who've talked to me for hours. And then the other thing is they've got to keep, you know, 56,000 people work for Warner's. So they got to keep generating family films to do that. Now they have tons of money. You know, I teach how to make movies and succeed at the box office. So really what you need is the development money to get the movie off the ground. You've got to make sure that you don't put all the money into the film, because I teach this, because Hollywood won't ignore your movie and take your money. They love fleecing people who come in who, are, who don't know what they're doing. So the whole economics of Hollywood, like any other economic industry, is a craft. It's something understanding. Teach. I know you teach screenwriters. And I teach I, the I know, economics. Do you teach, I how, teach. do you teach how to invest in films? Oh, I do. We teach the whole thing. And That's what we want. We've, we've got advisors, financial advisors. We're training 10,000 financial advisors with a trillion dollars of capital. One trillion, not well, billion, I trillion. A, so a, how do we teach them mine. to help people invest in, in good, family-friendly, money-making movies? Every time we do a class, we bring in somebody from Hollywood who's in the film finance. My favorite film finance person was you know, the CFO of the largest film finance company, and then he moved to be the CFO of uh, Animal Logic, the Peter Rabbit, but he comes in and just lays out exactly what you have to do. Another friend of mine is the best lawyer in Hollywood. He shows you how to do the contracts. Hollywood contracts are completely different. We've, if you've got a Texas lawyer or whatever else, they don't understand because it's all just a code language. And people get fleeced all That's the time. That's called Hollywood accounting. That's called I mean, Hollywood accounting, right. Hey, all right, so one of my films that I loved, uh, The Promise, Kirk Kerkorian, right. tried, tried to make that movie so many times at MGM, wasn't able to. State Department intervened one time. Turkish government intervened multiple oh, I times. Know, I know. Spent $100 million making a movie left in his will. He couldn't make it till after he died. Had great actors. I loved the movie. It was beautiful. And, and, and yet nobody ever heard of it. The man who's the head of his foundation, who's a doctor at UCLA, comes up to our office and he's a good friend. Um, it is, you know, the trouble is the studios make 40% of the films, but they control over 90% of the profits. Uh. And I had a friend of mine, I'll give you an example that I can talk about, who was the, one of the seven main heirs of the Walmart, Sam Walton Fortune. She made a little film called Gordy. I think I showed it at, uh, at the organization that we talked about before. And, Di and I got United Artists to distribute it. And Disney said, and the head of Disney was a Christian. I mean, he went to church. He loves me. We're good friends. And he said, if you distribute this movie through United Artists during the summer, we are not going to give United Artists a first-run movie for the next three years. United Artists went bust. It was headed up by... Uh, a Presbyterian in Denver. It was bought by another Presbyterian in Denver who then combined it with uh, Edmunds Theaters and made Regal. And he, and the first when he bought it, he told all his friends at the church, I'm only going to carry G and PG films. Within a month, he was carrying R-rated films. The studios have the power because they have, you know, whatever analogy you want to get. They got the oil, they got the money, they got the right. resource. You've got to deliver a film once a week. So we need to learn this. I'd like to invite you to come and help train our financial advisors. I'd love to. And teach them just how to invest, because we get hit up a lot. 
oh, this is a great film and it's going to change the world. But we don't know. How do we know? We need your expertise and your advice. And I'll bring somebody along who is the head of a finance company who shows you how you can do it without losing your money. Well, that'd be great. Ted, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, God bless you. God bless you.